Merry Christmas, Generations Church. I hope you are having a wonderful season. Today we're going to be talking about a psalm or a song for Christmas. This is a song, a psalm that is looking forward. It's meant to be sung, but it's looking forward to Christmas. It's looking forward to the birth of the promised one. It's looking forward to the birth of Christ. And so we will be going through Psalm 27. And the reason I picked this and the reason I love it is I feel like it gives a strong sense of peace, a strong sense of rhythm that we are to be cultivating ourselves to be the people of God. As we turn to Psalm 27, let's first pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray for your presence with us this morning. We pray that our hearts would be open to your message that we would slow down and listen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think in our society, we often, we talk too much and we listen too little. We have so much connection to information. Maybe we know less. At least, maybe we know less of wisdom. And my hope is that this psalm, Psalm 27, will encourage us to take time to stop, to listen, to meditate, to think about who we are as the children of God. Let us dive in to the psalm. We start in verse 1, and it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Stop. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We have three key words. The Lord is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. What do these images confer to you? The Lord is my light. He shines on my path. Light drives out darkness. Darkness representing evil and fear. And light representing life and salvation. The Lord is my light. I tried to find an image to do justice to light. So I came up with this one because it's so bright and it's so overwhelming. But then there's also the real pictures of the sun. So I also picked, I picked two images for this one. But think of the light and how it covers everything and how it overpowers darkness. The Lord is my light. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is my light. The Lord is my stronghold. And here it's the image of a castle and castle walls. And as I look at this image and I imagine trying to attack up these stairs. I know I don't want to be, if I'm in the uh, approaching army, the attacking army, I don't want to be the first one to head up those stairs. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom, of whom shall I be afraid? Well, who should we be afraid of? Verse 2, we're going to see we can have confidence despite our enemies. When the wicked advance against me to devour me. It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. So yes, the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our light. He is our stronghold. But there are still enemies and the psalmist recognizes that and we recognize that today. Who are our enemies? Well, the world. The world arrays itself against the children of God. The world will continually promote darkness. The world will continually follow unrighteousness. And when we choose right, the world doesn't stand up and applaud and say, oh, look at that Christian choosing the right. The world often, on the contrary, despises us for choosing the right. Sometimes they can't see the right because they're blind. Sometimes they can see the right, but they despise us, they hate us all the more for choosing the right because we expose their guilt. The world is arrayed against us. What's worse, I think, the more powerful enemy then the world is my own flesh. I desire to do the right thing. But I can't because my flesh is weak. And so it's not just the world who's opposing me and never applauding when I do right, but applauding when I do wrong. And then it's my own flesh that has the desire and the tendency to choose the wrong and not to choose what I know is right. My own flesh betrays me. The enemy that we face is the world. The enemy that we face is our own flesh. And then third, if it's not frightful enough, the third enemy is Satan himself who targets the children, the people of God for destruction. The powers of darkness attack us. When the wicked advance against me, when the world is against me, when my flesh is against me, when Satan targets me for destruction, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, I have some images of devouring. This idea of eating the flesh. I typed in on a search for an image 
of devouring. And this is, I was afraid what I'd come up with. This is, uh, this one's not quite as bad as some of the others. But when we see the predator stalking the prey and devouring the prey, that's the image that we're talking about. I found another image that didn't quite speak to me because I'm not a gardener, but I asked my wife who is a gardener, and when I described this next image of a snail, she said, oh, I don't like, I don't like snails. And sure enough, because the snails will devour the healthy plant and they'll eat holes into it and destroy it. And that is the image when the wicked advance against me to devour me. What does it say? It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble, who will stumble and fall. God protects us. There's this array of enemies against us, but God is greater still. Even if an army rises against us, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Brothers and sisters, is that you this morning? I think so often our eyes are on our enemies. Our eyes are on our fears. And so we need to find a perspective, a way to live different. We want to live and we need to live like a believer in Jesus Christ. So often we live as an agnostic. We live as if we didn't believe in Jesus. We live as if we were just like everybody else. But here, we, this morning, I want to encourage us to live like a believer. So how do we do that? We cultivate patterns. We cultivate rhythms to come before God, to come before Christ. Look at this. Here, first we see confidence in the sanctuary. This is our first step and a rhythm that we can cultivate. Verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. I love that word, dwell. I've been to many hotels. I've been to some resorts. I remember as a teenager, my family, we went to the Manoir Richelieu, a huge, gorgeous castle built in Montreal. The problem with the hotels, the problem with the resorts is that you go and you stay and you leave. It's not a place that you dwell. I have no connection to the Manoir Richelieu or any other hotel or resort, how, no matter how beautiful they are. I have no great connection to them. I have a deep connection to 221 Dempster Street, Evanston, Illinois. That's home. That's where family is. That's where love is. That's where life happened. That is the place 
where I dwell. And that is the invitation from God. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And when we dwell in the house, I remember when I'd come home each afternoon, I'd arrive home from school. Mom, I'm home. And my mom would yell back, Okay, I hear you. <laughs> Dwelling in a home. And when we are home with God, we gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. What a beautiful picture, this gazing on the beauty of the Lord, but also this seeking, this notion that we can cultivate our relationship with the Lord. So today we can be dwelling in the temple, we can be gazing on His beauty, but we can also continue to seek Him and to grow and to learn and to gain perspective on who we are as the children of God. When you see something beautiful, when you see a beautiful sunset, do you glance and keep looking? A beautiful painting, you glance and look away. You look and you focus, you gaze upon it. How much more so would we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? For in the day of trouble, there are days of trouble, there are challenges, but for in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling because there we are. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Yes, there are challenges. So this isn't a perfect, easy life, but what is the image that we have? I'll be safe. He will hide me. This hide, shelter, is the same word that's commonly used for a bird protecting its young under the wing. I found this image of a swan and the protection of the wings wrapping around the young, the tenderness and the compassion of the parent and the protective instinct is all there. And that's how God wants us to see His relationship with us. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high on a rock. I like that image as well. If you're walking down the street and there's a huge brawl that breaks out, two huge guys start fighting each other, punching each other, one pulls out a knife, I have to think you're going to become more and more fearful. Another pulls out a gun and you're just standing a few feet away from them. That would be terrifying. But imagine the same scene if you're up on a mountain looking down at that. That would be setting us high upon the rock. When we are high, when we are high up on the rock, what's happening down below 
becomes inconsequential. I like this image because as I look at this image and I look at the city in the distance, I feel like there must be all sorts of chaos. In, at the moment they took this picture, inside these windows, inside these buildings, surely there was drama, surely there was trauma, there was pain, there was hate, there was evil happening. But we can take a step back. And take a new perspective on the pain. Take a new perspective on the suffering. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. The world is at war, there's famine pestilence, constant insecurity. But we can cultivate a life of seeking after God, of taking the proper perspective that God watches over us. And when we do that, when we go up on the mountaintop, when we go into the shelter under the wing of God, we will shout, we will shout and we will sing a psalm. We will shout for joy. Then, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. All this darkness, all this evil all around me. My head is lifted high above it at his sacred tent. I will sacrifice. How do I service? How do I worship? With shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. A psalm for Christmas because we have been transformed. We can develop rhythms, patterns in our life where we learn to seek out the Lord. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face. Face will be our key word here. Follow it. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. God, my Savior, seek the face of God. I wanted to find an image for this, so I put in face, I searched for face of God. And what do you think I came up with? I came up with, uh, of course, a number of Eastern gods or idols, uh, different things like that. I saw a number of people. I don't know why they came up, but a lot of them were pretty creepy people. And so they, maybe they were people who thought they were God. So they uh, came up on the search list, but uh, I didn't find a good image for the face of God. But this image did come up, and I thought it was perfect. 
seeking the face of God. Patterns, rhythms, meditation coming regularly before God. Let us seek the face of God. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Think of the intimacy of a proper relationship of a father and mother. They love. They would never deny their children. That's the point, is that father and mother are faithful. But the point is that no father and mother are perfect. God is perfect. God's love is perfect. And it is completely reliable. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. We continue to be opposed but we seek the face of God. We pray. We enter the dwelling and we have no fear of the enemies. And we come to the end of the psalm and we again declare our confidence in the Lord. The psalm begins and closes in verse 1 and now in 13 and 14 in expressing this rock-solid confidence in the Lord. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What is he talking about? I will see the Lord. This is the psalmist singing this song, talking about God and the reality of God and the love of God, the dwelling of God. But he's looking forward to finally actually seeing the face of the Messiah, the one who is to come. He is waiting for Christmas. I remain confident. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This isn't the place of the dead. This isn't the place of the cemetery where people go or spirits go to die. This is the place of the living where we are to together with God forever. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The psalmist has confidence because he knows that the day will come. He is waiting for Christmas. He is waiting for the coming birth of Jesus. We have a few days now, and I pray that we would be cultivating that attitude, that we would be waiting for Christmas. The Jewish people waited for hundreds of years, but then finally the day came when Mary and Joseph delivered their baby and they had the first opportunity to pick up their son, the light of the world. I've been thinking about this image of light. 
And I go back to verse 1 where it talks about God is our light. And I think about the light and the power of the sun. That is, I think, that seems to be the ultimate expression of light. Bright, power, fury, the light of the world. How would you contrast the light of the sun with the light of Joseph as he takes him into his arms. The real power center of the world is not the sun up there, but it is the sun, Jesus, born on Christmas morning. That is why we can have this hope. Why do we live like agnostics? Why do we live as if Jesus never came? He did come on Christmas morning. So I pray that this year we would be cultivating patterns of meditation, of prayer, of coming into the dwelling house of God. And I pray that on Christmas morning that we would take the sun, the light into our arms. Because that baby loves us and desires fellowship with us. Have a wonderful Christmas. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that at Christmas we can cultivate patterns of worship. We can cultivate patterns for families. We thank you for the coming of Christ. We pray that this Christmas could be special. Pray that we could focus on Jesus and the birth of the baby on Christmas morning. And Lord, I pray that as we embrace that baby, that we would live as people with no fear because we know that God is the Lord, the light, and he is guiding us. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas.